0: Baseball Trade Values podcast. My name is Joshua Iverson, associate editor of BaseballTradeValues.com, and I'm joined once again by John Bitzer, founder and owner of BTV. John, how's your week been?
1: My week's been really well. I was coaching my son's Little League team and they made it to the championships. Lost in the last inning,
0: a ah, walk-off, but man, ah. they got a
1: second-place trophy. We were happy that. We were the Bad News Bears, came from behind. <laughs> no one expected us to get there, but we did.
0: Love uh, <laughs> I mean, you wish it ended a little better, but glad to hear it. Glad to hear it's it's safe to where you are at least <laughs> safe to <Yeah. laughs> be out playing baseball. Glad to hear um, the kids can go out and have some fun. Yes. Uh, my my week hasn't been as as bright and cheery. Um, the Pac-12 just announced yesterday that all sports are kind of kaput until January 1st, mm-hmm. and uh, I go to a school in the Pac-12. I go to Arizona State, and it's it's a bit of a bummer. I was looking forward to a lot this year. I understand it. I agree with it. Um, what player safety, student safety is more important than anything else. But it's it's a bit of a downer. At least at yeah. least I still have baseball to fall back on, though. <clears throat> there you go. All right. So this week we will be wrapping up our trade market series, um, taking a look at the most likely players to be traded. Um, from the three different categories. We started out with hitters, moved on to starting pitchers, and this week it will be relievers. Um, We're also going to hit on another trade of the week and some of the uh, player adjustments we've made over the last couple weeks to adjust for uh, changes in performance in advance of the trade deadline. So we are going to start out with some quick news hits. There's actually been quite a few of those minor cash considerations, DFA-type trades. Uh, over the last week or so, so we're just going to run through those pretty quick. In in all of these cases, these are guys whose value was pretty close to zero. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them out of options and just on that roster crunch on the bubble, and so the, they weren't significant trades. None of these, I don't believe, were really surprises to see them moved for cash considerations. Um, starting out with the Padres picking up Yonder Alonso from the Braves, he'll just be a bench bat, potential first base DH for them. D-backs traded Ildemaro Vargas to the Twins, switch-hitting infielder. He he makes a lot of – he's a good fit for the Twins, I think. He's kind of in that uh, williams Studio, Luis Arias mold of high contact. Um, not a whole lot else. <laughs> and so maybe yeah. they'll see if they can make something out of that.
1: But you're right. There's a little bit of something there. We had him at 0.7. Mm-hmm. Um, he hit well in the minors, has not hit well in the majors. um, people can argue small sample size but after a while the small sample size year after year becomes a larger sample size and you yeah. think yeah may not be that much there and he was out of options as you yeah. as you were saying. And so yeah there's not much and to do there
0: small sample size and everything if if the team that's that knows him best is determined that he doesn't he doesn't warrant enough playing time to get more than that small sample size that can also be a little bit telling exactly that, that's a, a bit of what we're seeing in Oakland with Franklin Barreto. that's right all right, then we have the Giants acquiring Luis Basabe, which I think out of these was probably the most surprising um, legitimate prospect. He's he's lost some shine in recent years due to, due to some injuries and a little bit of un- underperformance, but he's still a real prospect and it makes sense for the Giants to be adding a player like that.
1: I think so. I think it's a smart move for Farhan uh, Zadie, the GM of uh, San Francisco. Uh, we had him at 1.1, so there was some value there. So we weren't surprised to see him get traded after he was DFA'd. Uh, uh-huh. What happened was the White Sox um, felt the need to add him to their 40-man roster last year to protect him from the Rule 5, but he wasn't ready. And when they had a roster crunch this year, you know, he was a victim of that. So it was more of that situation rather than you know his own... Now, granted, his stock has dropped, yeah. so there was... You know he's he's down to 1.1 in our model but uh there's still a little something there he's got some tools
2: mm-hmm.
0: definitely um then we have the reds picking up mark payton from the a's which is a little bit little funny it's a little reminiscent of <laughs> some of the adam Rosales shuffling from about six or seven years back yeah uh, the, they the reds picked up payton from the a's in the rule five draft back in the winter back that feels like it was six years ago but it was only about eight months nine months ago Um, picked him up then, and then after that they proceeded to add Shogo Akiyama, they added Nick Castellanos, and the outfield was just too crowded. Uh, So they ended up, I believe he started the year injured, Um, but once he was healthy they had to either add him to their roster or return him to the A's, and they returned him to the A's, and now apparently they've negotiated a trade to send him back to Cincinnati. Um, he's, He's a bit of a career minor league type, kind of had a breakout last year but it's hard to tell how much of it was legitimate and how much of it was playing in las vegas in the pcl with the juiced ball uh he's 28 years old never really a big prospect so more a depth piece than anything else yeah <clears throat> this is what we call a quad a guy which is yeah. a guy
1: that's sort of in between like does well enough at triple a but hasn't quite established himself at the major league level um so and and one point we should mention um by by trading for his rights um you know he was a rule five guy which means that the reds had to have kept him on their now 28 man roster all year but because they couldn't find room they had to send him back but now having traded for his rights now they can use him as a depth option and he's got three options so it makes it a lot easier from a roster standpoint for them
0: yeah and then the last one here is a player i had definitely heard of before this don't (laughs) Don't accuse me of otherwise. Uh, Brooks Raley, the Astros picked up from the Reds. Um, it says here on MLB Trade Rumors that he pitched in the KBO for the last five seasons. Uh, this is news to me. <laughs> but <laughs> um, looks like just another depth arm for the Astros who they're... We've talked about it before. Their pitching staff has just been ravaged. Their bullpen is a whole bunch of rookies and Ryan Presley. So they, <laughs> could, right. use, they could use anybody with a the pulse they can get exactly
1: yeah and and to be honest um we didn't have him in our our model i only added (laughs) him when i saw that trade him so he's total confession here what who's that guy so uh, and you know so he's worth a PTBNL when you need an arm so okay fine
0: yeah (laughs) i I, I think you and i both generally consider ourselves pretty in tune with a lot of these fringe-type guys, just because of our work with the site and just yeah. of how closely we follow baseball, I don't know about you. This season is catching me off guard more than any other season. So many more players that it's just like, I've literally never heard of you. You're, <laughs> you yeah. came out of nowhere. Are you sure you're a real person?
1: <laughs> That's true. There are guys that like, hadn't pitched since 2013. You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs>
2: you
1: know, He wasn't on our radar for good reason, You know, mm-hmm. so we had to add him back in.
0: Yeah. just another aspect of the wild season everybody's everybody's looking for the help anywhere they can get it and if it comes from some guy who's never pitched above double a and was never on a top prospect list or who spent the last six years in korea being decent they're going to take it wherever they can get it right all right so then that that's it for our trade news for the week Uh, next we're going into marcus stroman opting out of the 2020 season Uh, this one this one's a little more curious than some of the other opt-outs. Uh, a lot of the other opt-outs were pretty straightforward. Uh, most often, they were veterans. Um, in some cases, there were uh, c- there were concerns there with themselves or with family members with health. And the Strowman one's a little little different because he started the season on the injured list, and he was set to become a free agent after this season. But if he had started the season and opted out before being placed on the injured list for the amount of time that he was he would not have gained that service time he would not have become a free agent so now by spending those first couple weeks of the year on the injured list he reached the necessary service time he received pay for those few weeks now he opts out doesn't receive pay for the rest of the season but will hit the open market
1: yeah a lot of twitter comments saying you know, hey, it's reverse service time manipulation. Yeah. Now a player is doing it to the team rather than vice versa. And I uh, think there's a case there, to be honest.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but but uh,
1: you know, you know, I'm sure he has his health reasons as well, so mm-hmm. can't fault him for that.
0: Yeah, it's very predictably Mets as well. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, but I think it, it makes him an interesting case going into free agency. Uh, not to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but he's had an interesting career the talent's very clearly there he's never really missed bats though he's kind of been a little up and down sometimes and now he's not making any starts in this last shortened season so it's i'm going to be really interested to see how his market turns out It, it could be the sort of thing where He's a buy low option that becomes kind of overvalued if that makes sense one of those cases where everyone says "Ooh, look they're the market's going to be down on him let's sneak in and get him before anyone mm. else does and because of that it creates the competition that pushes his price above where it should be yes um i'm thinking zach wheeler comes to mind a little bit there where he was touted by many as the uh the bargain option the like buy low of the free agent market last offseason and then still ends up getting 100 million plus because teams just value him the way they value him they all saw him as a buy low option
1: it's true to your point i mean it's like the truth will out right so yeah. enough people see the same things and they start out bidding each other and it ends up being right about where it should have been and that's where i thought wheeler ended up as his peripherals were good, he was coming into his form after being out for a couple of years. He was rounding into form. He was—he's a good pitcher now, and they got you know a fair price on that. But uh, yeah. one other point about uh, Stroman—you know—if you look back at the trade that happened last year at the deadline, it starts to look pretty good for the Blue Jays. It was widely criticized yeah. at the time for being a light return. You know, they got a, a young prospect pitcher named Simeon Woods Richardson and uh, uh anthony Kay, another pitcher who was closer to the majors Kay has been pitching very well in relief simeon woods richardson has been rising on the prospect list he's now a top 100 prospect and you know they clearly saw something uh, that um you know wasn't as evident to most people at the time but now they they you know seem to have a good return on that and and commentators have said hey the mets got 11 starts out of stroman I told. now of course to their to be fair they could not have picked it predicted he would opt out during yeah. the pandemic that's just a, a run of bad luck they but, could not have you know. predicted
0: the pandemic to begin with <laughs> yes <laughs> they thought it's they great. were getting a full year and a half of him <laughs> so
1: you know everyone jokes about you know the luck of the mets but uh yeah. You know, it's not their fault for that yeah. part of it, but 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 I just wanted to give some credit where it's credit due to um to the Blue Jays for seeming like uh they, you know they got a good deal out of that trade.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's fair to say that even if this had been a normal season and Stroman had pitched all year for the Mets, I think that return still looks pretty good now. Yeah. Okay, so moving on from that, we have. there were a lot of injury updates this past week too many to hit all of them but i think one that's particularly interesting in terms of trades and the trade deadline coming up and in terms of what we're going to be talking about later in the episode with relievers is ken giles um he's been injured with a forearm strain he's been out since essentially the beginning of the year i think he pitched in two or three games and just uh, couldn't he pitched in two or three games and was placed on the injured list shortly after. Um, apparently he's making very positive progress. He's recovering well, could be throwing soon and this is a huge if because we've we've been down this road with Ken Giles before. Last trade deadline we thought he was probably the best reliever on the market and then in the, sh- in the weeks coming up to the trade deadline he had similar injury issues and VLO was a little down and suddenly teams got scared off and he just stayed put in Toronto. Right, I guess Buffalo mm-hmm. this season. Yeah. <laughs> Toronto, Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo Blue Jays. Blue Jays. They're yep. they're the Blue Jays. <laughs> yep. Um so very very real chance we see the same thing here where they just can't can't justify trading him, especially with the expanded playoff format. Maybe Toronto or maybe the Blue Jays <laughs> think they need him um, to be able to sneak into the back end of the playoffs there. Um but if yep. he is, if he does come back, if he is healthy, if he's throwing, if he shows a couple innings where his velos back, he's under control, all of that, um, he could be the top rental relief market or l- relief arm on the market. Could be. That's a lo- that's a lot of ifs though.
1: You yeah. Because <laughs> it takes him some time to get back into form, and you know, if you look at it from a potential acquirer's point of view, it's fool me once now fool me twice hey i don't know if i can buy that now his price would not be high at all given the injury concerns and the short amount of time they would have him um you know we left him off and we'll talk about our reliever list in a moment but uh, we left him off the list because he was on the il um but you know had he not been of course he would have been on top of the list so it is a very interesting situation to your point
0: yeah and then Building on there with with some of the injuries and everything in the last week, uh, we saw a handful of other injuries to the starting pitching market, which was a, (laughs) that was a list that already couldn't afford to lose names (laughs) off of it. And now it's a little bit thinner. Uh, We saw Jeff Samarja placed on the IL. He was already kind of a iffy trade candidate to begin with, given the contract and recent performance. Now it seems it's, it seems like it's not going to happen. Um, and then Michael Walker as well, he was kind of another one of those fringe guys where if the Mets are out of it and he's putting together a couple solid starts, maybe they get something for him now. It seems pretty unlikely on the flip side of that. And something we'll get into a little bit later, um, when we talk about our adjustments, there's guys like Kevin Gosman, who I think it's, it's feels silly to say it after really one really good start but it feels like he's vaulted himself to the top of that list I think he has yeah yeah so we'll get more into that in a minute uh first let's touch real quick on the roster rule adjustment so initially MLB was going to stick with the 30-man rosters for the first two weeks of the season and then 28-man rosters for the next two weeks and then 26 man the rest of the way um, they've since changed that rule and will now be sitting with 28-man rosters for the rest of the season and postseason. So what do you think this means for the trade market?
1: Um, my first instinct is it means there will be less activity because you have more depth to draw from internally. Mm-hmm. So you have less reason to give up a player for to fill a spot when you have an option to fill it internally on your 28-man. Um, that's my first instinct. I could be totally wrong um you know because there's you know obviously your 27th and 28th players are not your best players so one could look at an upgrade and say well i'm gonna upgrade you know in my lineup for example and bump the 28th guy down so um i suppose it still could happen um but you know it's you know with with so many with 16 teams qualifying for the playoffs this year and so many um it's you know it's strikes me as there's probably not going to be as much activity in general um and also with the uncertainty with the pandemic and you know the short time frame i'm just not sold that um you know the trade market will be used to fill spots when you can fill spots internally
2: Mm -hmm.
0: um i think i think you have some good points there we could see some um some increase in trade activity though on that lower end there on a guy like Billy Hamilton, who was traded. Um I guess that was just outside of the that was two weeks ago yeah. two weeks ago, I believe, that yeah. like he was traded to the Mets. Yep. Um but guys like him, those pinch runner types, uh Billy yep. Hamilton, Terrence Gore mm-hmm. with a twenty eight man roster, there's more room for them. Uh, there's more room to stash a third veteran catcher if you want to. Um mm-hmm. that to stash a, a live relief arm that hasn't really done much, but you want to give them a shot. I, so I think on the back end there, there might be an increase in activity. So yeah. maybe more of these kind of fringe trades that we've seen over the last week, two weeks. But I think you're right that it might have a negative effect on the uh, upper end of the market on the bigger names. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's a hard one and, to call. Mm-hmm. And I do want to add in my kind of uh, <laughs> my bi-weekly i guess update on how i feel about the league's chances of actually getting through a season i do think it's curved a bit toward positive Um, a bit more optimistic than i was the last time part of that is their discussions for a playoff bubble i think the fact that they're entertaining that idea just kind of made me realize like okay they're pretty serious about getting this through the playoffs which makes sense that's where their big money is um but if they're pretty serious about getting us through the playoffs and they're going to take precautions necessary make adjustments that they need to, maybe that adds a little bit of certainty in the team's eyes and makes them a little bit more comfortable adding a piece with the knowledge that the playoffs are a little bit more likely to happen. I don't know. It that, that might be a little bit of a stretch to say that.
1: Yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling optimistic as well. Um, you mentioned one word, which is the key, which is money.
0: You know, yeah. The owners <laughs> have always looked at the
1: playoffs as their opportunity to you know, minimize the damage of the revenue losses this season. Like, well, at least we can have the playoffs on TV and everybody can watch those. So, you know, and, you know, they don't have to play the players out of their own pocket. The league Mm -hmm. plays the players in the playoffs. So it's a a win-win from an owner's point of view. So I think they're going to try to do everything they can to get there. And I think that's why you're seeing, like, marlins go down yeah we can still play cards go down yeah we can still play
2: we're gonna get yeah. there so you know
1: um you know and even like the cases of the two indians pitchers who uh you know, went out on the town and you know their team you know showed no hesitation and putting mm-hmm. them on the restricted list you know they're taking it seriously too because they want to get through the season too and not have a, another problem like the cardinals or marlins did so and, and you see a lot of players now thinking that too and, and you know wearing more masks and taking it seriously so i think the trend is going positive for all those reasons
0: yeah Uh, what's tricky here is that it could take us a week to see if there are any uh any negative consequences of the indian situation of the A's astros brawl Mm -hmm. uh it, it could take us some time to actually see if there are negative consequences there if the if there's another outbreak if another team gets partially shut down um and there's the it's easy for me to be optimistic when i'm not a cardinals fan i haven't had to sit around waiting for my team to not play for the last yeah. two weeks and yeah, i don't know right. nobody knows how they're going to make up those games so yeah and
1: then also the players have gotten cold you know so they yep. have to kind of ramp back up again that's going
0: to be yeah. interesting to see so it's uh, it's very cautious optimism and i acknowledge that it's coming from a place of i guess privilege <laughs> of yeah. watching uh, being on the west coast and watching teams that haven't had any significant delays or outbreaks but i guess uh as as always this year we'll just have to wait and see
1: yeah but i, I just want to tip my head to the marlins though they, mm-hmm. uh, they they were out for a while and all of a sudden they came back as hot as anything like what the heck happened there you know yeah. they had to fill out their roster and yet they went like eight and one in their first nine <laughs> games that was
0: funny <laughs> <laughs> they had both Josh's Smith, they had yeah. Mike Morin and Brian Moran, yeah. they had, yes. uh, all, they had uh, I don't even remember his name, it was some uh, high A pitcher, never heard of, decent uh-huh. prospect, whatever, came up and struck out like eight batters in three innings <laughs> or something. It's like, oh my goodness, these. it was against the Orioles, but, <laughs> still. but these guys mean business it's 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 fun to see it's a fun little story you wish it didn't have to happen that way and yeah. it seems like they are returning to full health maybe within the next few days but and, yeah and there will
1: be some mean reversion in terms of the yeah. standings you know so yeah but it was fun while well, it lasted 100
0: mm-hmm. percent. all right so from there let's head into the adjustments that we've made um the, there there isn't necessarily there isn't an article to go along with this there isn't um any general theme to this it's just kind of as we've mentioned in, previ- in previous weeks we we've been making adjustments to players uh in, a, in accordance with their performance whether it's positive or negative um for injury adjustments for pitchers whose velocity is down all of that um and in this past couple of weeks we've seen a lot of a lot of change a lot of guys go on pretty hot streaks a lot of guys going on cold streaks going on the injured list getting options so where do you where do you want to start
1: so um first of all <clears throat> um you know, we typically, if this were a normal year, we would wait for the small sample sizes to come become more significant. So if we had mm-hmm. started in late March, you know, we wouldn't be playing around with some of the numbers in April. We'd wait till at least May, probably late May. And then early June, we'd really start to have more of a bigger sample size to work with. And we'd also know that there was sort of a long season to work with, so we'd, you know, be cautious. This is a weird year, obviously. And you see teams making decisions on small sample size. So, we're taking the same approach. Now we're being very cautious and not like going crazy with, "Whoa, this guy's hot, so let's put him way up there." And this guy's cold, we do You know, we're we're being yeah. very moderate and you know, and looking at all the track record and everything. But we also felt the need to kind of to align with what front offices are doing because they have to make decisions the trade deadline is coming up and they've got roster issues here and there, as we've seen. So they have to make decisions on small sample sizes. So these have become more significant. And so we're, we're making updates pretty much daily now as a result, as we can see them, we wouldn't normally do that. Like I said, in a a regular season that that was longer, but we feel the need to do that cautiously this time. And, um, and so, and also we're looking at sort of the, the edge cases like this guy, you know, he's got an OPS over a thousand or under 500 you know mm-hmm. those are you know or pitchers where you know their numbers on the extreme case you know you, you know or or really relative to expectations they're way down you've got guys with negative war after three weeks you're thinking okay that's something you know so things like that that really jump at us is, is where we're making the adjustments
0: yeah and to your point about small sample sizes as far as the context of this season goes i don't think there is a small sample size i think <laughs> yeah. a single game can have such an impact on your full season stat just because yeah. of the nature of the season, and then you you look over to Colorado and Charlie Blackman entered today hitting 500. It's <laughs> it's absurd. And at the time of recording, he is 0 for 3, dropping his average down to a paltry 479. But I mean, the, what do you do with that? What do you do with that information? Do you just say, up? Oh, it's just a little a little hot yeah, streak. nothing we yeah, can say no, about up, it or do you <laughs> <clears throat> no we upgraded and we look at yes, it exactly. to kind of
1: confirm it and then we you know our model is based on projections and so is he outperforming his projections so far yes he is so by mm-hmm. how much we estimate by how much 10 percent, 20 percent? you know and is that sustainable we don't want to go too far out because there's going to be some regression to the meat, so mm-hmm. um but but we we are acknowledging that so he's a case that uh, that we upgraded as well
0: yeah i uh I'll try to find the tweet, I don't remember who it's from, I'll try to find it and link to it in the show notes, but um, I saw that if you take all of Colorado's 40, so they have they have 43 games remaining this season, counting the game that they're playing right now. And if you took all of their 43 game stretches from 2019, um, just looking at how Blackman performed in those 43 game stretches, in, I believe, about 24% of them, he finishes the season with a batting average over 400. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's that. And then and that's just Charlie Blackman. That's a guy that we know. That's a guy that, like, if you squinted in a normal year, you wouldn't be too shocked if he hit 400. He's a good contact hitter. He's got some power. He's playing in Coors. Yep. Then you go to San Francisco. <laughs> Yep. and you come across a guy named Donovan Solano, who yep. none of us had put any thought toward, and he's who the heck going is he? nuts. Yeah.
1: He's a 32-year-old journeyman. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Brother, I believe, of Jonathan Solano, former Marlins catcher, who was similarly, <laughs> uh, not to be rude, but irrelevant. <laughs> um, and he's out here hitting over 400, I'm pretty sure. It's, it's, it's bonkers, and there's only... It, it, there's only so much we can do to account for this small sample size to the point where it's okay. Teams are probably going to consider this at least somewhat of a factor if they are trying to trade for him. If, yeah, I mean, if a team tries you... to trade for Solano, the Giants aren't going to be, Oh sure. He's just a fringe like career journeyman. They're going to go, no, he's hitting four sixty. <laughs> sure. And, and the counter to that is, yeah, but he's never done it before. And he's right. a journeyman. <laughs> I mean, he had a, he had a
1: little bit more of an uptick last year, but, but that was, but you know, you know, he's a 32 year old German. Come on, so so he's not going to be a huge prize, but yes, to your point, teams trading at the deadline for him will be looking for help in the last month, maybe in the playoffs as well. And if he's hot, you just go with the hot hand. Maybe you know the, you got to pay a little bit for that. So we've upgraded him accordingly. With like, okay, you know he's still mm-hmm. in the single digits because of his track record, but he's, yeah, he's he's getting up there.
0: Yeah, you know I pulled 460 out of no out of midair, but uh. He's hitting 458. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah.
2: Now
1: it should be said, um, and Josh, you were making the point as we were chatting earlier that the um, the offense is generally down this year. Mm-hmm. And you know, one theory to that is that um, early in a season, you know, pitchers tend to be ahead of the hitters because the hitters have to adjust their timing. It takes them a while. You know, pitchers have a little bit more control of the game. So. If guys are bucking that trend, if hitters are really you know, uh, outperforming the norm, we pay attention. And vice versa. If a pitcher is out underperforming the norm, that gets our attention as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, a <clears throat> couple of pitchers in that mold. Uh, Sean Newcomb was just optioned. He's, he's a guy that just hasn't put it together recently, and he's kind of lost a lot of his prospect sheen. Um, so there's him. There's Sean Manaya in Oakland, who's been having velocity issues, stamina issues. He's getting battered around here. There's, uh, I think, the most concerning out of all of these, Madison Bumgarner, and that kind of—that's th- one of those cases. Him and Blackman, that kind of show. Like, we're not—we're not just looking at. Uh, we were definitely placing more focus and probably more keen to adjust some of these fringe types, uh, some of the less proven guys where it's like okay maybe this is a legitimate trend maybe it's more likely to be legitimate than a guy who's established and we already know who he is but in a case like Bumgarner, when he's lucky to hit 88 with his fastball and he just got placed on the injured list he can't get anybody out it shows a it's part of a trend his velo was down last year as well yep um so he's there's a ton of concern there for the d-backs and his trade value accordingly yeah. takes a hit
1: <clears throat> i think that
0: the according
1: to our model the d overpaid for him anyway
0: before yeah. this happened you know it
1: was already he was already in decline and um, we we're a little surprised yes i get that if they'd made the playoffs he might have been a horse that they could ride you know maybe so okay he's had that going for him but that was you know a long time ago and he's not the same pitcher anymore unfortunately so it's only made matters worse and now he's contract is really looking underwater um i have to say from a a trade market point of view some of the disappointing names are matthew boyd uh at the time of this recording just had another bad start today he's his stock has really fallen as you've noticed on our site he went from 40 ish to 30 ish to 20 now and Mm -hmm. uh you know who knows as as it goes down robbie ray who um started off so promisingly he's in his his walk here. He's a rental. And we thought at least he would have a floor as a potential uh, QO. Now we're not even sure about that. I don't think he would even get a QO because he's been, he's just been consistently bad, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Joe Musgrove, who is not a rental, solid number three ish starter, has just gone on the IL. And that's a concern. He probably, you know, they would have taken a lot of offers for him because he kind of stood out as a quality pitcher in a rather thin market. So, um, you know, there's there's what we thought were, you know, starters who would have been moved um, because of their quality reputations are falling by the wayside right and left.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think taking that into consideration, even if you remove the pandemic, even if you remove all of the weird um there's this weird world we're living in and all of the restrictions all of the uh, safety measures that will have to go into place all of the concerns about revenue remove all of that i think this still would have been a very low activity trade deadline just because you, you look around the league at all the names and everyone's either too good and too important to their team or just Hurt or just yeah. bad, like, and, yeah. and and certainly the expanded playoffs play a role there. Um, yeah, they they do, they do a lot to cut the number of sellers basically in half. Yeah, but it's... but
1: even even on teams that are clear sellers like the Pirates, you know, there's nothing mm-hmm. to sell. I mean, Lesgrove is hurt, Josh Bell's not hitting, Adam Frazier's not hitting. These guys mm-hmm. have been downgraded as well yeah there's, you know they want to rebuild and they want to take advantage of a trade deadline to get some prospects but there's nothing to sell
0: right so so i think at the beginning of this a lot of people were saying and thinking that this is horrible for these win now teams um, this is horrible for the dodgers um before they extended mookie saying oh you're only going to get 60 games of him now if you gave up so much for him and he's going to walk in free agency and the season doesn't really matter anyway and all of that, that it was—that this season as a whole was going to be really bad for the contenders. But I think what we're seeing now is that it's also pretty bad for sellers. It, it sucks for everyone. It's yeah. bad for the sellers. Yes, their future is under control. Their top prospects, for the most part, aren't gaining service time this year. Um, it's kind of just putting everything on pause for a season. But not only is development a lot more difficult this season, but also if the trade market is slower if teams are less willing to trade prospects for players then what do you do with your trade chips you, you just kind of get have to watch them expire in front of you you could um
1: but let's flip it around and and, and take the optimistic side um there are so many teams hurting for starting pitching. any sort of
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know visible evidence of a good starting pitcher is going to get attention. And the name that's sort of vaulted to the top of the rather short list is Kevin Gosman of the Giants yeah. mentioned. He had a great start uh, at the time of this recording that was a few days ago. But you know he's he's been a solid pitcher for the most part his career. And he's, you know, he's a rental, so you'd be getting him for a month plus the playoffs and, you know, he'd fill up, you know, a number three slot in a rotation. Mm. And, you know, he's gonna get some offers and the Giants are like, Okay, there's a guy we can move.
0: Yeah, it's I think this <clears throat> it's it's maybe a little bit difficult to predict this this deadline this far out, which is which seems silly to say because we're only two and a half weeks out. Yeah. But it maybe seems a little silly to predict it this far out because even even in regular seasons last year we saw the drew pomerans trade which was essentially a trade facilitated by like three relief appearances <laughs> from pomerans where where the brewers decided all right that's enough for us he looks really good we're taking yeah. him yeah. and we're going to give you a very solid prospect for him so if that's how it was in a normal season we could legitimately see trades being consummated over a single start or one or two relief outings or a couple games for a hitter it's there's yeah. going to be a lot of variance and pe- teams are going to be reaching for whatever snippet of potential they can find
1: that's right and you know another name would be dylan bundy if the angels fall right. out of yeah. it and they wanted to take advantage of it he's his trade value is really leaped up we have him at uh 18 now you know and it was Mm -hmm. down eight or nine or ten you know at the start of the season so he's really climbing and he keeps pitching this well he's going to keep keep climbing frankly uh, even if you know because playoff teams will be looking at him you can imagine uh, the astros or the yankees or a team that's really going for it you know wanting to the a's wanting to go for a a, you know a guy who's really hot like that that could
0: he could move yeah definitely so we're going to keep our eyes peeled on that we're going to keep our eyes peeled on player performance over the coming weeks. We'll have some uh, more universal adjustments coming in the coming weeks, um, where we'll go through and take a look at everybody, adjust them for their projections. But for now, we are continuing to keep an eye on the hot streaks and the cold streaks. Right. Alright, from there, let's head into our trade of the week. This one's between the Astros and the Rangers from user mason11. And not sure how i'm feeling about it let me let me just get into it and let let you all decide for yourselves how you feel um it would have joey gallo who we have at 48.1 million in median trade value and lance lynn we have at 18.8 headed to the astros in exchange for kyle tucker who's at 39.9 and Forrest whitley who's at 29.7 gut reaction here i don't like this for the rangers
1: I had the same gut reaction. It's funny because <clears throat> I don't think they would trade Gallo. I, that's the first thing that threw me. Um, and, you know, Lynn, you know, it, yeah, I mean, he's he's there. He's their horse right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and there's some question marks around Tucker and Whitley, uh, but the value, you know, but there's also tons of upside. And if the Rangers do fall out of contention, which they're borderline-ish right now, um, you could make a case that they should restock with some talent. They don't have a great farm. Let's be honest. You know, and these are the two best prospects that the Astros have. From the Astros' point of view, they're trying to you know plug a hole in their rotation. Lynn would be a great addition. In from from that standpoint, uh, they haven't had Jordan Alvarez's bat, so and he may be coming back soon. But Joey Gallo obviously would help them on the offense side. So as well as sort of extend their year because they have a lot of free agents to be at the end of this year. and But Gallo and Lynn have a little bit more control, which is why their prices are high, you know, beyond this year. So it would allow them to kind of extend their run. Um, and they would say, okay, you know, we're just getting rid of Tucker and Whitley and we'll deal with the consequences later. So, yeah. you know, you can make a case for both sides.
0: Yeah, I think we slept on the Rangers a little bit. We spent a large portion of our podcast episodes to this point kind of dunking on the, uh, the Rockies. Yep. for being in this weird in-between spot and never making any definitive push in either direction and just kind of hoping things worked out and to their point they've done a decent job of proving us wrong <laughs> so far at least uh, 12 and 5 right now yeah. um, but the Rangers are in the same boat really and kind of fly under the radar because they're in a pretty competitive AL West and they made a couple moves that looked big in the off-season with uh, the Corey Kluber trade, they signed Jordan Lyles, Kyle Gibson, but they they got to make a decision soon, and I think I think rebuild is the right decision for them. When you have the A's, Astros, and Angels all pushing in their chips right now, maybe, you, maybe it's time for the Rangers to hang back a little bit, bide their time for when the West opens up a little bit more, yeah. but if they are going to rebuild, I'm not sure this is the way they should do it. I'm not sure... I'm not sure Forrest Whitley is very tradable right now. Yeah. Uh, there's no denying the value there. There's no denying the potential. But he's given pretty strong Mark Appel vibes. It's, there's legitimate reason for concern there between the injuries and the performance and some of the makeup questions. But he's Um,
1: 6'7", and he's got a great (laughs) arm.
0: (laughs) And for some team, that will be enough. For the Phillies, that was enough with Mark Appel. Not suggesting Appel had makeup issues or anything like that. Um, But for for the Phillies, the live arm was enough to look past the concerns. And sometimes that'll work out. Sometimes it won't. Um, But I'm not sure. It's unfortunate for the Astros. He's probably their most tradable piece since Tucker... Um, they I, they seem like they like him He figures unless they bring back A controllable outfielder like Gallo He figures to be one of their starting outfielders Next season mm-hmm. um, Since they lose Brantley, Reddick, and Springer To free agency mm-hmm. uh, But I'm I, I'm not sure they can get a significant deal Done with Whitley right now With the way he is Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you as
1: well I'm a little skeptical of this one But I have to give credit to our our users here. More of them like it than dislike it, so mm-hmm. uh, there's a touch nerve there, something's going on there, so okay. <laughs>
0: and and I think there. It's, <laughs> it, it's it's probably I might be overrating Gallo and Lin a little bit in my head. I definitely like both of those guys a lot, but there are some significant blemishes on both of them. I mean yeah. Gallo, it's pretty obvious, the strikeouts, and he's had some medium health issues over the recent years um, and then with lance lynn he's 33 and this all kind of came out of nowhere you could really see it disappearing at a moment's notice and you wouldn't be all that surprised so there's certainly i might be underrating the risk in those two but i think i still pretty firmly uh stand behind this deal being a no for the rangers
1: i will add one other point which is if there's any team that can you know, massage um, <laughs> a lot out of a 33-year-old pitcher. It's the Astros. Yes. Berlander and Greinke, and They have a tendency to do that. So yes. I, I can see the fit from that point of view as well.
0: Yeah. Maybe, maybe I could see this being reworked a little bit. Maybe they uh, move some more mid-tier prospects for Lynn yeah. a- alone. Yeah. Um, I yeah, think maybe. the Gallo part might be the hang-up there. Yeah. so yeah. I'm with you. Anyway, regardless, I think it's it's a very interesting topic for discussion. And like you said, our users liked the trade more than they didn't. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) thanks again to Mason11 for that trade. If you all want to hear your trade discussed on the podcast, submit it through our site. And if the community likes it enough, if it gets enough of our attention, then maybe we'll talk about it. So now uh, we'll head into the feature presentation here of the episode, which is the reliever trade list. I can tell you guys right now, this one's... (laughs) (laughs) I I do say it's a little more exciting than the starting pitcher. Maybe not exciting. It's close. (laughs) Maybe not exciting is not the right word, because the starting pitcher list had some exciting names that are probably just unlikely, and I think just the nature of relievers is that they are less exciting. But I think there might be more usable arms here on this list that... There's more arms on this list that I can see putting together a good month than there were on the uh, on the starting pitcher list. So uh, let's again start with the high probability. These are yep. rentals, and there's <laughs> there's not a whole lot here. Let's be <laughs> honest. <laughs> no, the
1: the the name that's starting to emerge, oddly enough, is Trevor Rosenthal, right. who has been lights out. Now, first of all, I got to give credit to uh, Dayton Moore of the Royals. He has a tendency to sign these sort of under the radar, you know, turnaround projects He did with Homer Bailey last year and Jake Diekman and and then sell him at the deadline. And he may have another one up his sleeve here with Rosenthal, who had some great years in the past, got hurt. The Nationals signed him last year. It didn't work out. He had nothing. We thought he was done. You know, the Royals took a chance on him and now he's got it back and he's 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 dealing. So there's going to be a lot of teams interested in, in taking a shot for a month and a half of Trevor Rosenthal. Um You know, the other one I can see was a little bit more proven is Brandon Workman um, of the Red Sox, since they seem to be punting on this year. Um, Those are probably the two standouts. You could also make a case for Ian Kennedy of the Royals, who's in his walk year contract still underwater, but there's something there. Keon Aquila, who's been out with COVID 19, is reportedly coming back. There will be some interest in him if, uh, you know, he's a rental, so he wouldn't cost much. And after that, it's like, yeah. Anthony Bass, Nick Vincent, and Tony Watson. Watson has not been having a good year, you know. So it's not the greatest list. There's no Ken Giles here unless he yeah. happens to come back and you know and restore some trade value. Um, but the rental list of the, I mean, I can see a good half of these guys getting moved just because people need relievers. And look at the Astros are using eight rookies right now. So surely there there's, there's going to be some movement in this list.
0: Yeah, I think you hit <clears> the nail <throat> on the head there. Trevor Rosenthal is the upside pick. If if you ask me to pick one of the guys from this list that's going to just be lights out the rest of the season, he's he's the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Kennedy has some value as a multi-inning type guy, former starter. Um, right now, everybody needs innings. He's, he's a guy that can give you two, maybe three, if you really want to push him. Yeah. And then Tony Watson is a lefty that can pitch to righties. He's got the experience. He isn't as victim to the three batter minimum rule as a lot of lefties have been. So um, those, are, those are my three names to watch in that group.
1: And one other interesting case, Tony Watson's contract was very complicated. It had a right. lot of yeah. incentives and elevators and whatnot in it, and it was like head scratching. Um, but oddly enough, with the with the shortened season, a lot of those have been removed. So trading for him is a little bit easier. I just mm-hmm. wish he was performing a little bit better.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's going to be key for any of these. And the annoying thing with relievers is one, even more so than we were talking about with hitters before, is just one bad outing it can sink their their season line if you give up a a bloop a bloop and a homer and that's three earned runs you get pulled and suddenly your era is up in double digits there's it's it's a tough time to be a reliever right now yeah so heading into medium probability um this is where we see the a couple of the bigger trade uh trade targets we've seen in recent years in michael gibbons and joe jimenez jimenez Mm-hmm. um there's a handful of other interesting ish names on here so who are you looking at
1: uh matt barnes has been on my sort of radar for a while now he's a guy that's you know doesn't get enough credit because he's not a closer but he's consistently good he's uh you know he's the guy you put in the seventh sometimes the eighth inning and holds the lead and he's consistent about it for the most part so which is why we and he's not making much money which is why he's got some surplus value so i could easily see him being moved the red Sox don't have a whole lot of trade chips I bloom was going to want to rebuild with prospects and he's punting on this year. He doesn't need more of Matt Barnes, maybe not next year either. So I could see him getting moved. Um, Givens has been rumored to be moved. for it seems like forever here the last couple of years, with ever yeah. since Baltimore got bad, he's been one of the standouts. He's had some Rocky times. He had kind of uh, a lot of bad performances last year, but he's always had exciting stuff. And that's what people can't shake. Like, yeah, he, you just give him a change of scenery, put him in a competitive situation. Maybe he'll deliver. He's been a little bit more consistent this year. And that's been i think the the telling sign that he's going to get moved now now i think teams will be all over him um after that it gets really iffy you know maybe a couple of the red sox Heath hembree Ryan and maybe brandon kinsler on the marlins who's you know he's an old veteran and, and they signed him to to be flipped so i could yeah it's probably some some of those guys getting moved
0: yeah i I will be shocked if the Red Sox don't just over just sell their whole bullpen, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like such a Red... Sox, even taking Bloom out of the equation, it's such a Red Sox thing to go from a legitimate contender and then like this quick one- or two-year turnaround where they trade a lot of their veterans for young talent with similar skills, similar upside, and the next thing you know, they're back in the playoffs the next year. It it seems it's a very Red Sox thing to do. Yeah. And I think you can see him packaging Barnes and Ryan Brazier's on this list. Heath Hembree. Uh, We talked about Workman earlier. Uh, Just a couple of those guys get some other, some interesting reliever back. Maybe a Kevin Ginkle of the Diamondbacks that I just pulled that name out of thin air. I'm not looking at the values right now, but Someone in that mold where he's young, unproven, he's got some upside. And uh, similar to the, uh, to the Mark Melanson, Felipe Rivero, mm. now Felipe Vasquez, now horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, to that trade, from a baseball standpoint, looking past all of the issues that have come up since, uh-huh. um, but of you're trading an, a veteran reliever that you that's a known commodity and taking a chance on a younger guy with some upside, and maybe in a year he's better than the veteran you traded right yeah so that's, a good point. That, that's that that's the area i could see the red Sox sitting in yeah so now we're heading into low probability and this is where we have a lot of names both in the rental category on contenders and the just controllable like largely also on contenders um who for the most part are strong performers who um would be pretty costly in a trade uh, with one major major exception that we'll get to in a bit but uh, let's let's start <laughs> with the rentals on contenders
1: sure um well since publishing this list you know the standings have changed a little bit and so uh, a guy like andrew Sha- andrew chafin who's on the diamondbacks we were thinking they were contenders they were probably going to be a wild card team maybe finish second in the nl west and now that's looking kind of iffy so you know he's if they throw in the towel, I can see him being moved since he is a rental. Um, Andrew Miller, um, if the Cardinals, who knows what they're going to be like when they come back from this layoff, um, but there's a lot of question marks there. Maybe they move him too since he is a rental. Um, you know, but other than that, most of the names on this particular list are on legitimate contenders at least at this point in the season. I will add, you know, Sean Doolittle uh had a rocky uh yeah year so far you know he's been you know so consistent throughout his career it's quite a surprise and i'm sure he feels bad about it but there's no value there right now with the way he's pitching um even if the nationals for some reason fall out of contention which i don't think they will so i don't see a whole lot of movement in this
2: group
0: yeah the thing with it being such a short season is it's hard to look at this list and the teams these guys are on it's hard to picture any of them really falling out of it um, with the expanded playoffs i mean Maybe Chafin, like you said, maybe Wade Davis. If the mm-hmm. Rockies, uh, they they seem pretty likely to make the playoffs now. But yeah. if they decide he's not necessary to their, uh, to their bullpen and they can eat down his contract a little bit, get maybe a more reliable reliever in return. Um, but all these other guys, it's the Twins aren't going to be trading Trevor May because no. we know they're going to be good the A's aren't going to be trading Liam Hendricks because they're right. already almost certain to make the playoffs. And he's a huge part of that. Same with his right. Petit, right. uh, Kirby Yates, the Padres have been off to a very good start. Yep. He's the top. He's been one of the top controllable relievers that we've talked about in recent years. Obviously now he's a rental, uh, looks like he's just going to be finishing out his, uh, his contract in San Diego. Um, so this list has some names that could be real difference makers. It's just hard to see any of them going anywhere. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. And then we head into the really interesting list. I, I feel like this one's the most interesting on each of these From lists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From an <laughs> upside potential block... Maybe not blockbuster when they're relievers, but blockbuster type trade. And it's the strong performers... Um, with control years but they're playing for good teams for the most part
1: for the most part now the interesting name that jumps out of here is Edwin Diaz who's had his ups and downs and then again some and um you know and he's on a team that you don't know if they're going to make the playoffs or not the Mets who never you never know with the Mets yeah um so there's you never know with Diaz either uh, but he has to be to be fair you know ever since you know being removed from the closer's role and he was really you know everyone was against him he's starting to perform well again and so we've been updating his numbers and he's creeping up back up a little bit we have him back up he was down in the twos and now he's up to four so it was a little bit of movement there so and i can see him being a change of scenery candidate if the mets fall out of it uh we just talked about the diamondbacks archie bradley could be moved there's a little bit of value there if they decide to sell um Brad Hand is an interesting name because he has not been performing well obviously the indians are contenders but um yeah i don't i don't see him moved you know both for perfor- for performance reasons and also for contract reasons because he's making a lot of money so there's really no surplus value there uh kimbrill's been bad you know um he's yes. untreatable right now
0: right yeah yeah <laughs>
1: uh so you know there's not much going on here either with the astros the only veteran they have is ryan presley we have his number is slightly negative for injury reasons and he's, he hasn't performed well as well this year as he has in the past. Um, and he has a good, has an expensive contract So he's a little bit underwater, but they need him desperately They're not moving him So Hansel Robles has been a little bit underperforming And I don't know if the Angels are going to make it or not Maybe there's something there He gets moved, I don't know But it would depend on his performance So there's a yeah. lot of iffy things going on in this list
0: Yeah, I think this list, once again You're looking at the D-backs, you're looking at the Angels uh, So Archie Bradley, Hector Rondon Robles, as you mentioned um, I think you can Maybe look at the Phillies and Nationals. Yeah. Uh, it's a little. They've they've both missed some games, so they've. It's a little harder to gauge where they are. Uh, but Hector Neris, Daniel Hudson, maybe those names. Yeah. Um, but like you mentioned, it's just a, it's it's a lot of low probability. That's why it's in the low probability section. Um, Edwin Diaz, I think, he's the most uh, compelling name on this list. He, if a year ago i think they might pull the trigger on a trade right now i don't know if they can i think it's it's too bad of a look for them (laughs) given everything they gave up to get him that a year ago you could trade him and still get some pretty decent value for him and say all right the trade didn't work but at least we got this prospect worth 15 mil according to our model now it's not looking like that now it's looking like you're getting some odds and ends some spare pieces
1: yeah, and, you know, again, I don't want to pick on the Mets, but uh, <laughs> another one that didn't go, you know, that was Brody Van Wagen's first big trade, and um, yes. so it does not look good in retrospect at all. Didn't really um, look great at the time either. It, it, no, it <laughs> um, and, you know, he sold himself to the Wilpons, the owners of the Mets. As, like, yes, I can build a winner and we're going to make some trades. And that's why we wanted to get Robinson Canoe. He thought yeah. maybe there was still some gas in the tank there, you know, and then DS, you know, but um, it backfired, unfortunately. And so now he's got a, you know, PR problem. And so if he sells DS to your point, that's really throwing in the towel. And, you know, um, now a good GM, I'm uh, not necessarily saying he's a bad GM, but you know uh, one of the things you have to do as a gm is is not think about past not think about sunk costs think about the future deal with reality yeah you know and
0: if you need to move them you should move them for whatever you can get
1: you know and and if he looks at it that way i think you should but
0: but i think there there might be a point and i don't know if this is the point since he is a bit on the as you mentioned he's, he's a bit on the upward trend in recent days weeks um there's a point where you're at where it's just more worth it to your team and to your team's composition to just give him that chance. To to cross your fingers, say if he does turn it around for us, that's worth so much more than whatever fringe prospect I could get back for him. So yeah. maybe it's it's worth it to just ride it out.
1: It could be and also I will say his his peripherals are are still good. Like, mm-hmm. His ex is still good and some mm-hmm. of his other stats are you know, with with the caveat
0: that uh expected stats are a little potentially wonky to that's start true. the year still got small
1: um, sample sizes yeah it's true and
0: and i saw there were some concerns about how Hawkeye is tracking some exit velo things like that um, yeah yeah
1: good point but you know but, i will add you know there's not really huge name there's no josh Hader on this list mm-hmm. obviously the brewers are contenders Um, we know that they were dangling, just get a feel for what he would get in the market because they were thinking about it a little bit just to see, but I don't see him being moved, you know, uh, in this environment, um, even though he is controllable, I think the brewers need him too much. Um, so there are names like that, that I just don't, you know, we didn't even put on this list for, for those reasons. Having said that, you know, there's always a surprise. the market every now and then so i would not be surprised if somebody we didn't have on this list suddenly got moved and we are like okay
0: (laughs) yeah yeah certainly so i think to summarize all three lists the position player market's very clearly the deepest and right and it feels like the safest just because position players haven't been getting injured at the same rate that pitchers have Um, which is a general which is how it usually is but even more so this season um, so maybe so that market's safer. Maybe we see the most activity there. I think then second comes this relief market, just because of the nature of relievers and how even just anyone on this list, Anthony Bass, he could be a dominant arm for for 25 games down the stretch.
1: Yeah, it could be this year's it, it's, Daniel Hudson. That's, yeah. that's a similar story.
0: Yeah. So just any one of these names, you can pick them, and you can squint a little bit, and you can see, alright, that guy could make a difference for a contender in his mm-hmm. 90th percentile uh, <laughs> production. Uh, and then there's the starting pitching list, which was already pretty weak, and then as we mentioned, it's taken some injury hits since since publishing, since discussing. Yeah. Um, Which is concerning, because all teams need starting pitching. <laughs> so, I wonder if we end up seeing a bit more aggressive bullpenning down the stretch and in the playoffs yeah
1: yeah i think so it's been a trend obviously in the in the playoffs they've you know starters it's not unusual if starters to only go one time mm-hmm. through the order and then they bullpen from there and so you know for that reason i think you know levers are always in demand especially at the deadline because you're always going to need arms in the playoffs and you know the stronger bullpen you saw the a's do it a couple of years ago with familia and you know and you know they were loading up on bullpens you saw the padres in the off season trying to you know, develop a killer bullpen. So, you know, there will always be demand. I just worry about the supply. There's just not a lot of supply here.
0: Yeah. So, there's pretty much our entire trade market preview for this weird little season we have here. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what what do we have to look forward to, John?
1: So, uh we're going to be making some major site updates in terms of valuations as Josh pointed out, you know, for everybody. We've been doing them on the edge cases as we've said, you know, and anything that sort of t- you know, warrants it, but um, we also need to update. You know, everybody, because we're getting to the point where we'll have just enough of a sample size in the next week or two to say, okay, let's do a, a refresh. And also, you know, the with the effect of time and the effect of money that they're owed, as that starts to eat away, you know, they're owed less money. And then, with 16 teams in the playoffs, you know, they're going to be looking for you know that extra sort of bonus month that october bonus as we call it so we have to factor that in not just for the obvious contenders but for perhaps, perhaps some some teams on the bubble as well so there will be a lot of changes to the valuations coming up in the next week or two you know as we do that and then we'll talk about those changes on the next podcast
0: yeah we'll be back in two weeks to discuss those among the other news and hopefully we could see uh, one or two real trades here in the coming weeks maybe a little optimistic but i'd I'd like to have something there to to discuss that's a little would bit be more good. substantial than yonder Alonzo. It'd be yeah. <laughs> nothing against yonder, uh, but it... or Brooks Rayleigh. Did I remember <laughs> that name correctly? <laughs>
1: yeah, it'd be good to have a blockbuster to sink our teeth into, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh,
0: not not holding my breath, but crossing my fingers. There we go. Right. Okay. All right. So thanks everyone so much for listening. Uh, this has been a blast for us, and like we said we'll be back in two weeks to discuss more if you have any questions or concerns hit us up on twitter at baseball values or send us an email BaseballTradeValues at at gmail.com and yeah i think we'll see you guys in two weeks thanks john thanks josh